Volunteer State. Make sure you go to our website, musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for that newsletter. You need to sign up for our newsletter. Follow us on the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, at musicbiz101wp. And of course, we have a podcast, which many of you are listening to right now, Mm -hmm. and you found it at iTunes or SoundCloud, Music Biz, Ampersand, 101, no, Music Biz 101, (laughs) Ampersand, more. Music Biz 101 and more. I'm your professor, David Kirk Philp. Who are you? I am... Stephen Marconi. Dr. Esteban. Yes. And so as you listen, you'll hear a student. You're going to hear a great, great person. But this was a summer class because of William Patterson University. So we want to thank Ashley Weltner, who's been our engineer for all of our radio shows over the past year. And she hooked us up with this tremendous technique of recording that we're doing right now. And we should give thanks. So we put our uh, hands together, legs together, eyes closed, heads down. Thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno, Inc., and White Hat Management with artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, and Kith. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB CPA.com when you are ready. And we should all give thanks to Christine Vey. Oi, a wealth manager and the president of <laughs> Oi Vey Management. <laughs> Oi Vey Wealth Management. Christine has helped many of our professionals at William Patterson University to manage their investments and plan out for their retirement. If you're looking for some guidance on how to plan for your retirement, or if you have any questions on anything from investments and portfolio management to insurance retirement planning, give Christine a call at, repeat after me, 732. 732. 455. 455. 1510. 1510. You can also email her, Christine at Oi. They Wealth. <laughs> Dot com. And take the last oi off for savings. That's right. Many shout-outs to many different people, but don't forget Managing Your Band's 6th edition. By the time you hear this, it has been out for a year, but like fine wine, it's aging beautifully. Mm-hmm. It's a book. It's in color. It's got glossy pages. And only a few mistakes. Very few mistakes. <laughs> so you're going to love it. And always contact, uh, contact us. Again, go to musicbiz101wp.com, and that's where you can find everything out. Again, big thanks to the Music Biz Association for having us here. Yes. And now on to La Interview. Mm. <laughs> Music Biz 101 and more with Kim Williams. Kim yeah. Williams. Kim Williams. All right. All right. It's so right. awesome to great have Kim Williams here. Yeah. Yes. And I'm your Dr. Esteban Marconi, and this is my cohort. Uh, yeah. I'm Professor, professor David <laughs> Philp. Dead, sorry, you're Professor David Kirk Philp. Don't oh, forget sorry. to leave the middle, last middle name off. Jaden, if you're going to interrupt this during this interview, you're going to be banished. I do apologize. Thank you, Excel. There we go. Jaden Harding getting his MBA in Music and Entertainment Management at Wayne Patterson University. Jaden Harding, <laughs> thank you to have you here. Thank right. Myself. And Jaden, you introduce our guest, the great Kim 
Kimberly Williams. You know, if you were a real estate, your name, we want, we want to call you Kim, right. but you, for whatever reason, would go Kim, then a uh, oh, the quotes, Kimberly Williams, right. confusing everybody. So yes. what, do we, what do you want you, us to call Please you? Please call me Kim. So now we'll call yes. her okay. Kim, of course. So you call her Kim. I will call her Kim. So as I was doing research, you are listed with the Misach Media Group. Is that how you pronounce it? It's called um, Meshach. Meshach. Meshach Media. And I noticed also you have your hat in a lot of other different facets of the industry. So if you want to go in and just give more elaborate detail about that, what you I all do. I certainly will. You know, I am an independent sync licensing manager. Oh. And so, you know, I do placements on television, film, advertisements, all media. Mm-hmm. And so what I do is I am the VP right now currently for Meshach Media, but I manage independently three other catalogs mm-hmm. for three different uh, music publishers, Smash Coast Music and Music Drizzle, who is my sponsor here uh, this mm-hmm. week for the mm-hmm. music conference. That's so it. so do you have your own LLC in right. addition to working? OMC okay. Music Group is my brand. Your co- okay, so yes. your company is OMC Music OMC Group. OMC Music Group. At the same time, you're the VP of, of Sync Yes. for Misha. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. great. Very, and, and I bring that up specifically to, <coughs> just to interrupt uh, Jaden, but also to make it clear to people that you make your own way Absolutely. in this world. And sometimes that means, like you said, you know, you're doing your own thing, but I'm also doing this other thing. Right. And, and we, it all ties in together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. With yes. Your, your core comp- competency. Absolutely. Hard word to say. <laughs> Go on, Jaden. Why yes. won't you speak? So you said it before originally you're from the Midwest, I believe, Cleveland, correct? Absolutely. So what made you... Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> LeBron. Game day today, actually. That is yes. correct. So what what made you get into the whole entertainment business? What drew you to the lights, per se? Well, you know what? Um, it's very very funny story. Actually, I was a artist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I was an artist drawn into the corporate side. I was signed... Um, back in the day with um, SBK Records, which is formerly Polygram. I was Polygram. Oh, really? Okay. And, you know, what happened was I was in a girl group and way before Destiny's Child. What was the group? (laughs) What was the group? Our group was called um, uh, The Three Chicas. And we were not Hispanic, yes, The Three Chicas. And it was twins and myself, and we all looked alike. And Mm -hmm. so we got picked up. I was a songwriter and the lead vocalist. And we were supposed to perform at the Palladium, but then there was a fire. Yeah. And the Palladium burned down. Uh-huh. And so we decided to try to take control of our masters. And I was looking at the contract that I received, and I really didn't like the contract. So the other two decided that they wanted to go on their separate ways. I have no idea where they are now. <laughs> and I pursued my own singing career. Mm-hmm. Um, through the years, I was waiting tables. was my premier gig. Mm-hmm. Um, Wilson's Bar and Grill, where I sang there every weekend. Mm-hmm. But, you know... After a certain amount of time, it gets you get tired of furnishing your apartment from the streets of Greenwich Village. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and um, I was like, "Let me go and take my career, my degree," because I went to college. Where did you and go? I went to Bowling Green State University. Okay. okay. And then I went to Cap Twenty One at NYU. And mm. so after I graduated there, I what's Cap Twenty One? Cap Twenty One is a musical theater program through Tisch School of the Arts. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And so I completed there and. After the rounds of auditions on Broadway, and after you know trying with the music, I said, you know, if you can't do, teach. And I landed mm-hmm. a gig at Columbia Artists, and that's how I ended up in the corporate side of the music business. So I've been on the artist side, and I've been in the corporate executive side. So, mm-hmm. so you were, uh, that's a classical that's a agency. Classical, that's a classical agency with a dance troupe. <clears throat> What's um, her name? Jen Siegel. Was she there? Jen, Jen Siegel, this was back in the 
She's in she's in her fifties. Back in the nineties, yeah. Middle nineties. Yeah. It was back in the nineties. I'm pretty sure she was there then. And I was in the tour department, so I'd set up all the uh, touring for all the large artists. Leontine Price at the time was still Mm -hmm. was still with Mm -hmm. us, and Mm -hmm. so she was my main um, she was my main client. Mm-hmm. And I did all the buses and the trucks and the hotels and negotiating the rates for the artists. Mm-hmm. Les Ballet Africans was a big one. It was mm-hmm. like 300 of them. And I got calls every week. They're, they're cooking frying chicken in the hotel room. <laughs> you know, because they Good. can prepare their own food, you know. Yeah. So, you know, that was my first foray into the corporate music industry. And it's just, I, I've built from there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's been very, very interesting going from being an artist to working in artist management, to now I am actually managing catalogs rather than actual people. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know if I heard you correctly. So, Bandier and Koppelman gave you your masters. You were able to get your masters from SBK. No, no, no. I went to I went to NYU before. I mean, afterwards, after that. Okay. You, no, no. I meant your master recordings. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same they, thing. Masters like, don't they master split up. <laughs> But yeah. you said the group yeah. split up, yes. and I said Bandier and Koppelman. They get they allowed you to do that. Koppelman and right, well, it was the beginning of the three sixties. Oh. And um, I, and you know, if one here wild story, William Kravalowski, who wrote this business in yeah, music. Yeah, we know. I, didn't I know have an Bill entertainment well. lawyer. And do you know, like back in the day, you could just reach out to people. You could just walk yeah. into offices. I sent him an email and I sent him the contract and I said, "What do you think of this?" And do you know he wrote me back? Mm-hmm. He yeah. wrote me mm-hmm. back, <laughs> and mm-hmm. he was like, "Well, you know what? I wouldn't do this, this, and this. You should go back and ask for this, this. Yeah. Don't give up your masters. You want to retain the ownership of your oh. master if you're the lead singer." Good. I have his Very book. nice. I went to William Patterson. He was in college. He was my professor. We had this uh, now called the Music Management Seminar, yeah. and one of the guys you had come in was uh, William. It was Bill? Cra- wow. Bill Cravalos. Yeah, he was off of Forty Second Street. He had a mm-hmm. little office there. Right. Yeah, I remember that. And even then, he was an old crotchety guy. <laughs> yeah. Is he still around? Did he pass away? No, he, he must still? have passed away. Yeah. He was the mayor of um, someplace up in up in Westchester County, one of those uh, hmm. Scarsdale or beyond. I can't remember which one it was. You know, so I've always yeah. taken his advice, and I saved mm-hmm. the I saved the paper. It's all yellow and everything now, but I saved the paper where he scratched his notes. Yeah, because I couldn't believe that he just wrote me back. But I mean, I'm sure that if he was still here in this day and age, there's no way anybody. Could well, he used him. to be um, just on a side side thing when he made his money and he was semi-retired. What he would do is he would cut out the cut-in. So, for instance, he had Chuck Berry's catalog, and he would find the guys that. Like the DJs and mm-hmm. so on, and put their names on the, and they, uh, he would find ways in which it would get the songs back to those people. Oh, wow. So uh, I think he had Chucks, he had Duke Ellingtons too, wow. and in those days he showed me. Now Duke wrote about a thousand pieces, if not more. He showed me one time on those old, remember green and white printout, big pieces of paper that the printing machines used to have. And they ran landscape. Do you ever saw that? You know, with mm-hmm. the holes and everything. Right. It was a, probably a stack about this high of Ellington tunes that he never copyrighted. Really? He never copyrighted. Ouch. What happened to those? It was unbelievable. <laughs> they were getting people now to. I I actually did a few, do the lead sheets mm-hmm. so that they could be copyrighted. Wow. I mean, you would think Duke Ellington. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, but what no, you, they didn't. He didn't. Unbelievable. That, that but that's what he was no. doing at the end. He was taking those kind of catalogs and he's trying to give money back to the rightful owners obviously 
Yeah. Yeah. So you know that was that was very very cool. And so that what is what started me on you know what there is a business behind the business. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you know I moved on from there after I left Columbia Artists. I really got my foot into the business of music when I was at Atlantic Records. I was there during the day, you know, uh, Little Kim days, you know, when she mm. was just coming out, yeah. and Kid Rock, and when Gwen Stefani was with um, Gavin Rosdale. Mm. And, you know, I saw when TLC, the demise of TLC, and how they, they weren't managed properly, and I, I learned, you know what, there is a right way and a wrong way to handle artist management, because if they don't have the proper advisement, and if they don't understand the business of music, they can make the wrong decisions. So, you know, that really propelled me about education and about music publishing. Because Mm -hmm. these artists, they would sign these lucrative record deals and get all, you know, millions of dollars up front, like the MC Hammer story. He made $10 million and he spent $8 million and the next year he was homeless. That's right. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And so that led me on the path to music publishing and educating (laughs) artists about the business of music and how they need to take control of their own masters. Even if they're not interested in the intricacies of it, you need to find somebody you trust that can really, really handle your music publishing mm-hmm. and handle your catalog. Mm-hmm. William Krasilovsky is still alive. Really? His, his wife died a few years ago. <laughs> but, but yeah, he's like uh, 90-something years old. Wow. He's still around. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. You know who he taught, too? Carl. He helped uh, one of our professors, Carl. Uh, Carl Guthrie. Guthrie. Oh, wow. And just had him last yeah. semester. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, but we <coughs> digress. That's, but no, but that's an interesting tidbit. Thank you. Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably yeah. asking I was about wondering. It's probably wondering. Curious about it. Kim Williams. <laughs> that's right. So, so how did you... Oh, go no, you okay. go ahead. Please. So you were at Viacom for eight years, and I believe it was like more so along with like legal work, I thought. Yes, I was in the business and legal affairs department, but mm-hmm. that ties into MML, right. which is music media licensing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, that, that, yeah. so that's how sync, I get into the sync, because mm-hmm. what I would specifically do um, is that I would help negotiate the rates and the contract for the uh, live and the voiceovers um, for mm-hmm. Nickelodeon MTV. Um, Mm -hmm. MTV shows and then I also worked in the consumer product side so say for instance Spongebob Squarepants you know obviously there's a real person behind that voice Mm -hmm. you know so if he had a live appearance if he had a recording someplace then I would be the one to help negotiate those rates and help make sure that you know I've worked with the talent department you know get him to the studio on time get him to his appearance on time Mm -hmm. who was that am I allowed to say on radio who yeah it's Tom Kinney okay Tom Kinney why would that be bad it was could, no, because I, you know, you can't spill the rate. So. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh. <laughs> well, because I, I said, notice mm-hmm. those aren't linked to you. You listed like the acts individually because I think you said also mm-hmm. like the voice of Dorothy Explorer, Miranda right. Cosgrove, mm-hmm. and then there was another mm-hmm. name I can't think of at the top of my head. Uh, Sean Astin from yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so those type of A-list artists, well, they're A-list now, mm-hmm. but you know, back then they were kids, you know, right. and so there's a whole different level of dealing with children on television and negotiating their rates because you have to go through their, you know, there's the Jackie Coogan law where you have to make sure that their money is put in the right place. They have yeah. a publisher and they have a lawyer to watch the lawyer to watch that other lawyer yeah, yeah. to make sure that, you know, they're not being exploited and then, you know, dealing with the agents. Mm-hmm. You know, so there, there was a lot involved um, when it comes down to working with children as opposed to, you know, dealing directly with the adults when you do the placements. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned Dora the Explorer. You brought up Matt Hunter. Yes, I did. And he was the voice of Go Diego Go. No, I didn't. The know spinoff of, of of Dora, Dora, yeah. Dora the Explorer mm-hmm. is this character Diego. Right. right. And there was right. a show called Go Diego Go, and Matt Hunter was the voice of Diego okay. when he was a young lad. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't. Yes. I don't think I knew Matt Hunter. 
okay. And now he's. Which just interviewed him. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's a Universal Music Art, music oh, okay. Latino artist. Oh, that was him. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. connect. Yes, yeah, so I got to turn a piece of together. I'm like, okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. So, talk about your background with like OMC Music Group because you mentioned about you were expanding your brain shortly before. We know. Um, it's it's very cool. So, OMC Music Group, one of a kind management group, mm-hmm. and so you know, I started out wanting to help educate artists about music publishing and about how to take control of their own destinies you know there were so many artists out there that didn't know what to do and they were just putting their music out on itunes and they would just didn't have any idea what they were doing and so i started out as an artist manager but then i found out that if my dream is bigger than their dream i'm in the middle of the ocean you know, rowing, 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 and they're standing on the shore safe and sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, I've put in all my ducks in yeah, my basket. Yeah. And if they decide one day, you know what, my girlfriend's pregnant, or, you know, i got to go to jail for four years, right. or, you know, can you, you know, can you pay my rent? <laughs> <laughs> you right. know, it's just, it, it, the catalog doesn't talk back. It doesn't get in trouble. <laughs> you know, it doesn't get arrested. You know, and if music is good, then it's very, very easy. So what I decided to do was I formed OMC Music Group to be able to manage artist catalogs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I manage three artist catalogs currently um, and of all genres. Mm-hmm. Would you like to tell us who the artists are? Yes, um, I'm with Music Drizzle, who is actually here at the Music Business Conference this mm-hmm. week, mm-hmm. and these are all unknown artists. Oh, okay. Um, yes, okay. these are all up-and-coming artists that are um, the next biggest producers, their next to break out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also Smash Coast Music. Um, we've done over 5,000 placements over the past five years, and we also have... Um, Sorry. We also have... <laughs> we also have... Um, my artist, OMC Music Group, with Meshack Media that are signed directly. Mm-hmm. And so, as a matter of fact, there is some future stars. Yuri Gray is an artist that just did a Jeep Renegade ad. And mm-hmm. yes, so that ran during the CW Awards. So mm-hmm. that was very, very cool. She was with Halsey. Halsey was like the main star of the ad. Mm-hmm. And so we were very, very excited mm-hmm. about that for her. And um, I just recently landed um, three placements just this past couple months, mm-hmm. um, you know, on Bravo with Vanderpump Rules. Mm-hmm. My artist Mel Smith, who is from Down Under, ah. she's an Australian artist, and then also Love and Hip Hop. Um, obviously, because of my connection with Viacom, right. you know, I'm able to um, connect with the producers to be able to push, you know, the artists. So I think that it's really cool in this day and age to be an independent publisher such as myself, because a lot of people that are signed with these large um, publishers, not knocking them, but sometimes they feel they don't have the hands on it. Yeah, absolutely. And being a boutique publisher really lets me kind of connect with my artists, let them know that they have somebody working for them and it's not just about the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, and then also you're here for, I believe it's called the... Um, Hitmaker Session. Yes, that is it. Yes. <laughs> yes, the Hitmaker Session is um, founded by Gene Culver, who is the um, president of, and he's the CEO and founder of Music Drizzle Publishing, which is mm-hmm. one of the catalogs I also represent. And so he asked me to join him for music listening sessions. So I've been the past two days meeting with artists um, that are established, not established. Um, some of them just got out of college like yesterday. Mm-hmm. They're like, I just graduated yesterday. And <laughs> here's my demo. Right. <laughs> and you know, I sit down with them and they have a one-on-one meeting um, for about 10 minutes. And they play me one or two songs. Mm-hmm. And I let them know, you know what I think. You know, Is it placeable? Is it licensable? Because a lot of times... These you know people don't know how to get into television and film. Yeah. How do I get my music on the elevator? 
You know, when I'm getting my teeth done, I hear this music in the background. Mm -hmm. You know, I, mm -hmm. I want to be that person. Mm -hmm. You know, some people don't want to be Beyonce. Right. You know, mm -hmm. some people want to be behind the scenes and just be singer songwriters. Diane Warren. Yes. Perfect case. Yes. Yeah. Sure. You know, and singer songwriting and micro licensing is very passive income. So if you want to do something else and you've got a catalog of music, you know, you come to Kim, who's an independent publisher, and, you know, let me help you out. Mm -hmm. And you sit there and you do what you need to do to either be the artist, you can be a stockbroker. Right. Beauty, you know? of, beauty of the copyright. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's, we said we have a book now. We'll have to get her an edition. But we have six edition managing a band. I have a book, and I remember the. And I was on Epic Records in the '70s and so on and so. On, but never got recouped totally, you know. Right. Wow. But now to get to that mailbox, you open that mailbox, and there's that that check is there yes. from <laughs> copyright, and I, and I didn't do anything <laughs> yeah. this last quarter. You know, it's a, a great, beautiful great, thing. Great story. Ten years ago, when Laguna Beach ended, mm -hmm. I managed to get a placement on Laguna Beach for one of my bands, who's now defunct. But um, they did the box set anniversary. Oh. And then guess what came in the mail? Yeah, right. <laughs> Ten years later, you know, yeah. the passive income. It's like, wow, yeah. you know? Absolutely. So that, that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's exactly right. what you're talking about. It's the beauty of it. And then you also, I also looked as well, like for the Hitmaker session, it's actually like a tour itself. So like you go to like different stops. Right. To to well, you know what? It's kind of an idea that we're really developing. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that we feel is that everybody thinks that you have to be in LA or in New York to, and you kind of do a little bit if mm -hmm. you really want to get the, um, to, to get yourself heard, to get yourself mm -hmm. known, because the sync world is very, very small. And music supervisors use who they know. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very relationship-based. Yeah. Okay? So how does somebody that's sitting in Cleveland, Ohio, get their music, you know, on Love & Hip Hop? Do I need mm -hmm. to move to L.A.? Do mm -hmm. I need to move to New York City? And then do I need to find a sync agent? So what the idea that the hit makers and what I'm trying to do is take myself to these underserved markets and go meet with people one-on-one -on -one and sit down with them and give them mm -hmm. the opportunity mm -hmm. to build the relationship. You sit with me for about a half an hour, I'll give you a little bit of knowledge, I'll let you know. Now, I'm not going to promise you I'm going to place you in right. a TV show, <clears throat> but at least you have a connection from somebody who is currently in the business. I've talked to so many people yesterday that sat down with me and said, you know what, I, I spoke with a music supervisor and the last placement was Sex in the City or the Love Note. Right. You know? <laughs> like, you know? The Love Note. <laughs> 1977. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's a good check right there but yeah, anyway yeah. you know it's it's like you want to sit down and you want to talk with somebody who's currently making placements currently sinking in licensing you know i can sit down and i can say hey you know what last month the month before and the month before i've had a steady mm -hmm. stream of people that are placing you know and so i want to be able to bring that to these underserved markets you know i talked to a gentleman from philly today who was really really excited because he was like you know i i never would have the chance to be able to get my music the opportunity to listen because there's there's no way unless i go to new york city mm -hmm. how am i going to get my music listened to mm -hmm. and that's the main question that i get all the time from people out because i'm originally from cleveland ohio so you know it's cleveland is music city it's the home of rock and roll yeah, yeah. but why is it so hard for a person from who's from the home of rock and roll to be able to make it in the industry without mm -hmm. having to go to la or without having to go to california i mean to new york mm -hmm. so I feel that I'm really excited to be part of the Hitmaker session. I'm grateful to be here because this is kind of how we're introducing 
these sessions. Mm -hmm. So right now we're just doing five cities. We're going to try Chicago, Orlando, Mobile, Alabama, and we're starting right here in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And you may say Mobile, but I don't know if you know that you know the Academy Award winning Get Out right. was mm -hmm. filmed in Mobile, and apparently they got this grant. And everybody's going there. And it's oh. becoming this big, huge film, um, you know, film mecca. Wow. So of course, you know, as a music, you know, supervisor, as somebody who manages music, you want to go there because you know how much talent is down in the south. Mm -hmm. You know, they see all this film happening and they're like, "Well, how do I get my music?" Yeah. You know, on, on, mm -hmm. onto that set. Mm -hmm. right. you know, how do I get my music on the Black Panther, the next Black Panther? Right. Yeah. Sure. Sure. And you're based in New York now? I'm based in, I live in Cleveland, Ohio. You're I still living there. Okay. I moved there. I was in New York City for 20, okay. almost 20 something years. And I moved back to be with family. Okay. And the beautiful thing about the digital era is I can be on Pluto. Sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And still be able to um, have my connection because of the relationships that I've built. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and because of the talent. I mean, good music is good music. I mean, I could manage 40 catalogs, and if all the music is terrible, I'm not going to get, you know, I'm not going to get a place. So, you know, my goal is to make sure that I have the best producers and the best composers that are signed to the different catalogs. Mm -hmm. And are these non-exclusive deals that you'll sign with a catalog? It's non-exclusive and exclusive. Mm -hmm. We like to give the artists the flexibility. I mean, I, as a boutique owner, will work harder for those who are signed exclusively to me, but then I allow them to have an exclusive album and then give me some exclusive, non-exclusive songs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So I give them the flexibility. Um, it's now the norm in Europe has been trending towards um, dealing with exclusive catalog because they don't want to deal with you know the, the non-exclusive artists overseas. We're finding that out more and more. Mm -hmm. um, so you know we've been dealing with a lot of great sub pubs um, out in Europe. I've got a um, partnership with um, Sinker, which is a European um, licensing company as well. And we've partnered together, and that's my sub pub in Europe. And you know, whenever I have music and briefs, I share with them, and they do the same thing with here. So mm -hmm. it's kind of, you know, it's kind of helping. And those artists are all exclusive artists. Mm -hmm. So they want to make sure that their content is one stop. Sub pub, we should say, for those who don't understand oh. it, a, a sub publisher. Can you explain? The the term sub-publisher. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's, that's good, yeah, because a lot of people know the lingo, so it's kind of cool that they hear it, and now they can understand yeah. what it is and go um, back. In order to place music in a foreign country, you need to be able to have a sub-publisher, which is your partner that's in the other country, so that they can actually run it through their PRO, so that the artists can get paid here in North America, and mm -hmm. vice versa. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is an addition, uh, it's an additional revenue stream yes. for the artist, because... Um, it, let's say they get a sync and we're not uh, when they get the sync you know they're getting if they're the writer and the performer mm -hmm. there's two revenue streams right there but you forget about the per public performance right. of that song on mm -hmm. TV radio wherever it is right. mm -hmm. and uh, that's the third revenue stream from the sync mm -hmm. and so you know it, it behooves me as a uh, independent publisher to get as many sub-publishers in as many different territories outside of the sure. United States as I can. You know, Toronto is a big, is a big, big mecca for TV and film. Yeah, you know, film, they go I know. Over, Everybody flies to Toronto mm -hmm. because the production costs are so much cheaper. Vancouver as well. Vancouver? Oh, thank you. <laughs> I know. I'll check that out. Is it, yeah, Van, Vancouver is, uh, a lot of people, Vancouver, like Toronto, is used um, for the exact same reason. Mm -hmm. It's just West Coast people, instead of going to LA, right. they'll go up to Vancouver. Mm -hmm. It's less expensive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's clean. Yeah. And it can serve as all over the world. It can 
you know, so for boutique agencies um, such as myself, mm -hmm. that is what I want to try to do is develop those relationships so that I can help my artists, um, you know, worldwide. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking the, um, I guess the most unique placement I can think of now is a, there was a student band in our university and they tried to make a go out of it quite a while, and their original band and so on. And they got a placement in a film, not a huge film, but a real multi-distributed film, where their song was being played on a little kitchen radio during oh. one scene. And I thought that was unbelievable, you know. That yeah, they, that's really cool. They, yeah. They, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was not the soundtrack, not the, but this little scene that lasted maybe two minutes, that one of those old kitchen radios, and on the kitchen radio was their song. So they were, and they got paid. Within a scene, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they got yeah. paid, sure. So It's like really no matter the format, I think like for an artist, like it doesn't matter like what kind of spot it is, I think like they would just want that exposure. Especially, yeah, that. especially for an unknown band because a lot of music supervisors, you know, if they can't get the Jay-Z's of the world, you know, they're going to get the Tay-Z's of the world. Yeah. <laughs> you, know <what> I'm <laughs> yeah, <of course. laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because sure, they can't they afford can, it. So, they can't you know, afford them. Yeah, yeah, they can't afford it. Can you walk us through the mechanics of a sync deal from the very beginning of a particular? So you'll call, uh, people will come and ask you, or uh, you know, a soundtrack well, supervisor, or you'll well, go you know, to them. It's, it's very multifaceted what I do because I do the pitch, and mm -hmm. then I also receive briefs from the people that I have music supervisors. I have relationships with. Yeah. So if you do the so, pitch, what's a pitch like? So okay, so. You know, dear Joe, hi, this is, you know, a cold pitch. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. You know, hi, I am Kim Williams and um, I'm with OMC um, Music Group. I represent three different catalogs and I'm wondering what it is that you're looking for. I'd like to be able to be your go-to for one stop. I specialize in urban music, mm -hmm. but I have all genres of the best producers here. Here is my website. Mm -hmm. Please let me know if you're working on any projects. I would love to be of help to you, period. Short, brief, mm -hmm. to the point. You don't want to send them links from the outset because you never know what someone's looking for. Yeah. Got, the main question I had when people sat down with me is, okay, what are you looking for? Mm -hmm. Well, I never know what I'm looking for until somebody asks yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. See what yeah. I'm saying? So I never want to reach out to music supervisors on the pitch with somebody because they'll have a preconceived notion of what I am, even if I send a sampler. Mm. So I would just send my website it's because the first thing someone's going to do is going to go to your website and look at your credentials. Mm -hmm. Look and see how many placements you've had. Look and see what you've done. Yeah, yeah. Look and see if you're really who you say you are. Mm -hmm. right. you know, because there's so many people out there that are just posers or that, you know, like I say, that sat down and their last placement was 10 years ago. Right. You mm -hmm. know, so do you still have relevant contacts today mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. can place on television and film? Mm -hmm. So how would you have found that person that you're cold pitching? Because you, I know, you have lots of relationships. I have but. relationships that are already built, but say, for instance, one of my art, perfect example, one of my artists is like, you know what, I have a great song that would be great on uh, The Walking Dead. You get mm -hmm. that all the time, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I, who, who, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you know, because I am a uh, publisher, I've got access to, there's many, many guides. Like, people can do this themselves. It's a very DIY business, but yeah. people don't want to. Right. But there's guides, there's um, music registry guides mm -hmm. that break down A&R, music publishers, mm -hmm. um, ad agencies that you can subscribe to that will actually give you the name and the contact of the person. And, you know, and they'll say solicit or not solicit. 
which mm-hmm. means you know don't send me mm-hmm. um, cold solicitation please go through a publisher or yes I'm open to receiving you know mm-hmm. unsolicited mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. and so that is how you can kind of find out but you know of course there's a cost involved you know if you are just <coughs> DIY you got to pay a pretty penny in mm-hmm. order to be able to purchase access to the information mm-hmm. you know IMDB is a great one you know for TV and film if you want to if you hear about a movie that's in production um, you can always just go on IMDb and see who the uh, music person. Nine times out of ten, it's the agent to the music supervisor mm-hmm. on the film that mm-hmm. you have to get through. So you have to go through a lot of barriers. But that's a great um, reference guide, mm-hmm. you know, for mm-hmm. people who want to do it on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, you are going to hear a lot now, especially as the industry is changing, that you really need to have representation in order to get to the right people. Mm-hmm. Because if you're an artist and you're spending all of your time registering to all these guides and looking up all these people, you're not having time to create. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. You see what I'm saying? So, sure. so that's the cold pitch. That's the cold pitch. Then you get incoming requests. And then you get incoming requests because I, you know, if you are busy and active in the industry, you're going to be on people's lists. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can ask to be on a list or you can. Uh, Hopefully, you know, they'll send you briefs. Like, I've got, you know, relationships where it's like, hey, you know what, I'm looking for... As a matter of fact, just the other day, I had a music supervisor reach out and say, you know what, I'm looking for um, Fourth of July music. I need it within 48 hours. You know, can you help me out? Mm-hmm. You know, because I've worked with them before, or I haven't worked with them before, but they know my reputation, and they know that I have good artists. And, you know, one thing about a music publisher is that... You need to be able to give these people access to your catalog. So I've got a platform. Mm-hmm. You know, so most people have platforms where artists, I'm sorry, music publishers can log in and look for what it is that they want. Mm-hmm. So I make myself accessible. Mm-hmm. And I think as a boutique agency, that's very important. Like, you know, a large Cobalt or, you know, a Sony pub, you know, they're not going to give access, you know, mm-hmm. obviously like that to the catalog. But for someone such as myself, as an independent, I want to be able to have music publishers to be able to dive in, you know. Joe, you know, Joe Schmo can't sign in mm-hmm. and go taking a peep around. You know, that's mm-hmm. not public access. But, you know, a boutique agency, that's what you want to do is be able to give accessibility. Mm-hmm. You could almost uh, even create your own Spotify playlist of, of your catalog, Absolutely. too, and just mm-hmm. make that yeah, make that available, on your, on your non-downloadable. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, exactly. and put it out mm-hmm. there. In the and your artists, website. if people are listening, you know, they're mm-hmm. making it percentage of a penny the cool thing about our websites um, the three websites that um, we have for the different catalogs is you're able to um, look at the artist and hit his picture and it'll take you directly to the album of their music mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think that that's becoming you know more and more popular as mm-hmm. opposed to you know just having a playlist like they used to or you know call me directly if you want a playlist mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I like the trend that it's that that it's going towards and so that's how I operate you know I give everybody the option mm-hmm. yeah. so the email comes in uh, I need 4th of July music in 48 hours mm-hmm. so you go through because so you I'll, know I'll, your catalog because I know my catalog I'll right. think okay who do I have or if um, I don't then I have a group of composers that are ready uh, that was my next thing. Yeah, are they, like... <laughs> they are ready so you know I have the um, on the fly composers Right. And then I have my composers that, you know, sometimes you get briefed six months out. Sometimes you get them within 48 hours. I've got my six-month-out composers, and i got my 48-hour <laughs> composers, right. you know. And so that's the beauty of being able to um, be independent because I can help anybody at a moment's notice. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my goal is to become known as that go-to music publisher that can turn things around in 48 hours or give me, you know, some trailer music, trailer orchestral music, and, you know, you've got six months. You know, here's the budget. Um, mm-hmm. You know, go for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you find the song, mm-hmm. you send it to them either, is it always a link that you're sending to them? You, or is you it always a, send, well, because I've got a platform, right. um, Source Audio, I'm giving them a plug. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I've got a platform, then I would just create a playlist from that platform and mm-hmm. then just send them a playlist, okay, a playlist the that playlist. they're able to download. So they listen, and then if they like it, they'll, they'll email you back. Is, any, is there any talk on the phone or is this is all You know what, email? I've done... <laughs> I've actually done placements where I've never spoken to the music super- I've mm-hmm. never spoken to the producer mm-hmm. right. you know he'll um, I'll send playlists as a matter of fact I did a love and hip hop placement just two weeks ago and mm-hmm. we didn't even speak he <laughs> he, right. he emailed me and he I had given him access to my catalog and he went through the catalog and I guess he found what he liked and he emailed me and he says okay we're going to pick this song on episode 7 on this and I'll be sending you the cue sheet there's usually not a contract with a sync because sometimes it could be a gratis, and mm-hmm. we can probably talk about that in a few minutes. Yeah. Or if there's a fee involved, they'll tell you what the fee is. And if there's back end, then they'll tell you what that is. Mm-hmm. And then it's a go. Hmm. Thank you very much. That's awesome. I'll let the artist know when can we start promoting. Good. Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes with the episodes, they don't want you to promote too soon before the um, network announces it. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know. mm-hmm. So, um, Q sheet. Explain what the cue sheet is okay so the cue sheet is at the end of the season all the music that has been picked up for spots on the show is placed on there along with the name of the artist and the music publisher those cue sheets get turned into the pro which is a performing rights organization so Mm -hmm. that the artist can get paid their uh, royalties on the back end Mm -hmm. you know so depending on if there's a fee or not like sometimes there's buyouts like dealing with huge large corporations they want to own the content Mm-hmm. So there's no back-end fee. So they'll be like, okay, $1,500, we're placing it in this episode. Here you go. There's no back-end. So there's still going to be a cue sheet, but it's not going to be turned into the PRO for back-end tracking. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yeah. All right. So there's uh, so it's just a flat fee. Here's what you get. They don't own the song. Right. But they bought the rights bought to, the use, right the to use the song in this episode. Yeah, right. Flat fee, 1500 That's it. That's we're it. done. We're done. Okay. You know, or um, a lot of artists because I work with unsigned artists, they just really want their music out there. They need to be in a show because it'll give them the um, clout for the next time to ask for more. So they'll do a gratis because they know they're going to get that passive income and they're going to get that back in. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, especially producers, when they're dropping beats, you know, no free beats. You know, when they're dropping beats, they want to make sure that if there is no fee or a small fee up front, that we make sure that those cue sheets, and my job as a music publisher is to track the cue mm-hmm. sheets to make sure that they get submitted mm-hmm. on time mm-hmm. and to make sure that the um, payment ha- happen every quarter. How do you make sure they say, uh, you mentioned the cue sheets, they're putting it in a central location, the cue right, sheets, so you have to, access. Yeah, they're, sending it, they're sending it to either ASCAP, BMI, or CSAC. And then you, the you'll, call, you'll reach out to ASCAP, and then BMI, CSAC. We and register the music so we can actually go into the account and see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So if I, go, if I register an artist song and the artist happens to be with CSAC, Mm-hmm. Okay, or they're with BMI, then usually the cue sheets take about a quarter to get registered, mm-hmm. to get put into the system. So my job is I go into the, which is such a fun job, <laughs> <laughs> to go into the system to make sure that they actually did put the cue sheet in and that they're getting their payments because the cue sheet is going to list every time that episode air throughout a season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
understand? So my job is to sit there at four o'clock in the morning and make sure that they got paid for this time slot, that time slot, that time slot, you know. And how can you tell from the pro that they how much they got paid or how much they were supposed well, to get Well, I mean, it, it depends. I mean, I, I don't know what scale is. I don't want to really say what, you know, the standard scale is, but you can tell because you're going to see it in BMI. So when BMI gets a cue sheet, mm-hmm. they're going to record all right. the episodes and all the time slots that it shared. So at the end of the season, I'm going to get a cue sheet. Right. Okay. Yeah. So then when they finally get it uploaded every quarter, I need to go in and make sure that it coincides. Mm. The reason I ask is because uh, our friend Aaron Van Dyne, who's part of the program, mm-hmm. business manager for Kiss Three Doors Down, Charlie yeah. Puth, mm-hmm. cool. um, he gets big statements for his artists from mm-hmm. ASCAP BMI, but he but he looks at me and goes, "I have no idea what how they calculated well, you what know, they're paying." Somebody us. that large, you got to get you got to get a business manager. You got to uh-huh. get somebody that can. It's a professional company like right. me. I'm well, a he's team. the business manager though. Oh, he is. And, yeah, <laughs> and, and he's saying you're, they they aren't breaking it out as to for this use. Here's how much we paid you okay. for for this use. Here's it's just basically all these uses and here's mm-hmm. the money. They don't break out. So he says we don't really know how they figure it out. But, but you're saying you can tell. Well, um, I mean... Or you can piece only it together. The reason I can tell is because I'm not dealing with the Charlie Puth of the world. I mean, maybe when one of my artists gets really, really huge, right. Right. then I'm going to run into that. It's easy for me because I have a handful of people. So I'm not looking at the pages and pages and pages. Right. I know right. what my one placement was okay. <laughs> on Love and Hip Hop. Right. And I know how many times it aired. Okay. You right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's not like Charlie where you're tracking actual spins. Right. You know, okay. yeah. I don't do that. I'm I'm yeah. strictly television, film, adverts. Um, so it's kind of a different ballgame when it comes down to a Charlie Puth as compared to somebody who's a um, you know getting an ad on television, mm-hmm. or getting a sync on a TV show. Mm-hmm. Which pays better, an advertisement, TV, film? All depends. You know, it's it's everybody says something different. Someone's like, you want to be in ads. That's uh-huh. the, where the big money is, you know, but then it's really, really hard to get into the ad world because it's so small and the ad world is becoming cheaper and cheaper and they want to use stock music. They don't have any, they don't have budgets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of, an artist is not going to create, you know, people have to pay their bills, you know, an mm-hmm. artist is not going to sit there and create something on spec um, and then hope that the ad company is going to, you know, give them $50,000 for a buyout. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so that's what... So a lot of ad companies are going to stock or they're using their own in-house composers. Um, a lot of people say that the money is in television sinks. Mm-hmm. Just go after a production company. You know, you know, a production company can use up to 2,000 cues a season. So if you've got these composers just constantly churning out beats, churning out beats, that's where you kind of really want to be in is television sinks because mm-hmm. that's passive income that mm-hmm. is going to like continue as long as they have reruns. I mean, look at the Big Bang guys. The big mm-hmm. the guys that wrote the... Uh, theme for the Big Bang Theory. Their grandkids, grandkids never have to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that show just got, I think they're getting picked up for an 11th season. Yeah, it's still mm-hmm. going on pretty yeah. strong. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And then, you know, think about the worldwide rights. Oh, I'm just fainting thinking about how much money those dudes yes. are raking in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think their band broke up like five years ago. Yeah, something like yeah. that. If I remember. They had a big falling out over money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Even the theme song from Friends. Oh, um, yeah. Forget the group. I'll be there for. I can't remember the Rembrandts. The Rembrandts. Yeah. yeah, that's right. right. Who well, I knew the Rembrandts before that theme song because they had one, a song called uh, "That's Just the Way It Is, Baby." We're talking early '90s. Okay. You know, and um, but they got really big because of that one song, mm-hmm. which they're making. Now here's the interesting thing. So 
you love it, but you hate it. That's the song that defines them. Yeah. Right. Which they probably yeah, hate absolutely. that song. Yeah. It's probably love hate because they also mm-hmm. they're getting paid forever. Forever. Yeah. Because yeah, like forever. when is Friends gonna go off the air? Thank if you. Ever. You know, yeah. right now it's on Nickelodeon, and then think about the world. I mean, you're, now you're talking about yeah. the United States. You got to think about where it's playing. Yeah. You know, I think I heard that they were just starting to show Friends in like India. Mm. Uh-huh, really? Yeah. Hmm. They just picked up the rights. It was either India or Korea. I can't remember which one. Right. It's <laughs> part of our deal with North Korea. Kim Jong <laughs> Kim Jong Un said, I'll, "I'll meet with you, Donald, as long as, as you long give as us I friends." Get friends. <laughs> right. You got you to think now. There's gonna be someone like when Friends end back like 2004. There's gonna be someone now new, just totally new to it. Then they'll come to us. Have you heard of this show called Friends? It's like, <laughs> yeah, like old news. Yeah. You know, see, you know that that's that's my goal, and that's what I try to educate artists. You got to think about this passive money, this this royalties. You know, if you're not trying to be out there and headline Coachella, and you just want to write songs, mm-hmm. and you've got all this catalog music. Another way, like you asked to continue your question, micro licensing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's becoming really really big because I've run into so many artists that I've been writing songs since I'm 13. <laughs> you know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, what are you doing with it? Is it just mm-hmm. sitting there? Or I've had artists, like I say, I used to be an artist manager. I've got bands that have written and spent thousands and thousands of dollars on CDs, which are now beer coasters. Mm-hmm. And they have stacks and stacks of CDs, and they've got all the songs sitting on the shelf that is timeless music. But then they get older, they get married, they have kids, and you know, every once a year they're playing in the 4th of July you know, festival. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that music today, I go, I've been going back to the band and say, hey, listen, Give, give me your catalog of music. Give me the five best songs. Mm-hmm. Let's micro license this. You know, because there's people all over the world. I mean, there. I heard something that there's like 10,000 micro licenses a day. Explain wow. micro license. Okay, micro license is when you have like a snippet of music. Mm-hmm. And say, for instance, you have um, a music video that you made of your cute little cat. Mm-hmm. And you want to put music behind it, but you can't license, you know, you, you can't afford. So you go on these little websites or fiverr.com mm-hmm. and you spend like, you know, 49 cents and you know that 49 cents oh, yeah. time 1 million throughout the world mm-hmm. that artist is making a lot of money you see what I'm saying so mm-hmm. we encourage artists to put up 30 seconds um, 15 to 30 seconds of the instrumental or put up full songs and then people can come in and they just go and they license and they just pull the music just like you're going shopping at five or below mm-hmm. you know so it's like a, a basket right right you know so that lay people can you know go in there and corporate videos you know, a corporation, they want to have a meeting, yeah. but they want to have music in the background, but they're like, we can't, we're not going to go mm-hmm. license, you know, we don't have $500 to license anything. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the budget? 30 bucks. Okay, go to Fiverr.com. All right. Go pull some stock music, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where micro licensing comes in. So, you know, I'm really working with artists to kind of educate them on allowing somebody to handle their old catalog mm-hmm. of music so they don't feel like it's going to waste. Like we know Michael Simon, who's the president of Rumblefish. Okay. And uh, they're sort of a division of Harry Fox Agency mm-hmm. owned by CSAC, but they do a lot of that micro mm-hmm. licensing on their website. So uh, do you get all your music? Well, you know, I encourage the artists to either put together their own little marketplace on their uh, own website mm-hmm. and do it independently, or there's different companies um, that do micro licensing that um, you can partner with if you're an independent mm-hmm. to set up your own light, um, marketplace. Right. And mm-hmm. then of the artists that were, would be in my catalog, hey, what do you have that you want to put? I'll put it in there and then they get a fee. It's just like iTunes, they'll get a fee, mm-hmm. then a fee come to us and then the rest of the money go to the artist. Mm-hmm. And you know, it takes a while to build that up. 
you know, mm-hmm. but if you partner with a micro licensing company that is already SEOed out there, then people will already be driven to the website. Mm-hmm. You know, and good music is good music. You know, good beats are good beats. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, if you're on YouTube, that's what the people do on YouTube. You know, the cute little cat video, you have your music in the background. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I describe music license, uh, micro licensing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and like we talked about before, like, like for an artist like you know you said like sometimes they get the wrong message and they get the wrong idea of how to get their music out there that Mm -hmm. they're making like CDs or just going through like different paths that are just obsolete now and I did a study actually for our law class about like Sync Lights Single One Nine, how it's just such a niche like revenue stream for them Mm -hmm. kind of looking like from like investment wise like you make an investment in something say like stocks investment funds whatever and that's passive income so like for an artist like how do you get across to them like how this could be a great passive income but like not make them seem as if it's like they're selling out I guess hmm, that's a very interesting question I mean it depends upon how involved in the business side that the artist wants to be mm-hmm. like I have um, in my experience I have got an artist he's like I don't care about none of that he's like I just want to make money he goes you handle that but then I try to explain to him you really need to understand that there's a business side of the music also and it kind of you know, it's kind of smart if you understand what's happening with your masters, if you understand how your music is being pitched and the different revenue streams that are available to you. You know, everybody's always just trying to put their music out on iTunes. I'm putting out an EP, I'm putting out an EP. Well, what's the sense of putting out an EP if it's just gonna thud? If you don't have promotion and the right marketing behind it, nobody's gonna know you exist. And I have so many artists that mm-hmm. drop so many thuds of great music because they don't prepare yeah. mm-hmm. and they don't think about the business behind what they need to do to get it out there. I, I have some people complain to me today, well, you know, I was going to sign a distribution deal or a publishing deal, but they wanted me to get my numbers up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, well, what does that mean, get my numbers up? Right. You know, well, you have to, you know. If, if you want to sign with certain publishers, I won't name names, but you know they want to make sure that you've got a following so that if they're going to invest money in you, sure. they're going to invest their time in you, that they're mm-hmm. going to make sure that they recoup all that. Yeah, right, exactly. Sure. It's got you to be worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So, to, what has been like your favorite placement, do you think, personally, as like individ, as like an independent hmm. worker? Let me see. Well, you know what my most exciting placement was? <laughs> and it was Vanderpump Rules, mm-hmm. and I just got that placement um, right before Christmas, but I had to keep it quiet. Yeah. Because they weren't announcing if the season was going to be picked up for an additional uh, season. Mm. And so they placed it on hold. So the reason I was so excited about that particular one is that I had an artist, Mel Smith, she's an Australian artist. She flew all the way from Brisbane, from some little outback, mm-hmm. to come to a convention. Um, and I walked her through and everything, and she got sick. And she couldn't sing. And I had her set up with all these producers, with all these labels, this and that, and she really didn't have a great time in the States. She got ill, she, you know, somebody threw something at her. We were in New York City, and somebody threw something at her. She got this bad notion about New York City, was everybody was mean. And everybody's just lovely, we're just busy. Yeah, <laughs> don't bother us, I need to get somewhere. We're just going somewhere. And you know, she flew back to Australia with a really bad taste in her mouth of, music world yeah. you know a produce, and she's really beautiful and of course you know these slimy guys are hey how you doing come to my right. studio right. you know and so she went back to Australia with a really bad taste in her mouth about sync and licensing and music publishing and she retreated mm-hmm. and she decided you know I don't want to write anymore for a while I just need to really decide if this is what I want to be and then December I got a call mm-hmm. that um, actually I got an email mm-hmm. not a call mm-hmm. <laughs> I got an email that they were going to use her track 
for the lead-in for oh. Vanderpump Rules. And that was my most exciting placement because I'm like, yes! Yeah. You know, validation that yeah. this is what you're supposed to really be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it her iTunes sales peaked. Mm-hmm. And she and she hadn't sent me a song in over a year, and she finally started sending me music again. She's like, you know what? That gave me inspiration, mm-hmm. and I went back and I went to the mountain and I wrote. And she sent yeah. me a picture of her sitting on a rock <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, yeah. you know, yeah. writing. And so that was my most inspiring. And it's all didgeridoo music too. Yeah, and she got back into it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that that particular deal, which was it on like the very first episode of this season of Vanderpump Rules? It was Rules? on the um, it was episode six ten on Vanderpump Rules. Okay, uh, Love and Cycle was the name of the track. Six ten would mean season six, like tenth season episode six, of yes, the season. Episode, okay, yes. so it was within that episode. Was it the full song? Was it just a no, portion? no? They, they it was just a portion. Was it a it stem? Was, and a stem meaning just the instrumental part, or would you no, hear both? No, they played. They started her out. It was so cool because it was a driving scene, so you got to hear a whole full verse of her oh, wow. song and it was a lead-in into them talking so mm-hmm. there was no speaking over it she had her own mm-hmm. full little minute and mm-hmm. then it faded out as the p- people entered the room right mm-hmm. so that was very very significant mm-hmm. because sometimes you get the background music where they ask for TV tracks you know the TV track is just the instrumental because they don't want any speaking because they love the music but they want to be able to have the dialogue mm-hmm. over it mm-hmm. what kind of deal was that for Vanderpump Rules it was, have... it, was, it was a gratis sync Okay. Yes, and she was very excited about that because since she's in Australia, we didn't have to worry about how's this money going to exchange. Because you know, I didn't have to worry about that. So everything, the beauty of working with a foreign artist is that BMI and ASCAP have their counterparts over there. So even though she was an Ampro, um, it went through BMI. Okay. So, so I don't she, have to do a thing. Yeah. I don't so have she to do still that. got back end. Right. Absolutely. Okay. And she got, so she got that and she got, you said her iTunes yes. sales peak. So she yes. still get that. And I'm sure she got some streams out of it. Yes. Too. And she did notice it. She, she said her iTunes peaked just a little bit. And um, she did notice um, that, I guess they don't have iTunes in Australia. They have something else. And I'm not quite sure what it is because mm-hmm. she can't get into iTunes mm-hmm. when she's over there. And um, actually the streaming is a different also because they don't get Bravo. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. what the network is called over there. Mm-hmm. So she was, because I, I sent her the um, ad that we made mm-hmm. for it, because we always put out an ad. And she said, oh, well, I don't get Bravo over here, but um, I'll, I'll find out what it is. And then I guess she had a little viewing party. Wow. Yeah, she, she's from a, she, she has a sheep farm, I think, up there. And so they invited every, everybody to come and watch the episode. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was very, very cool for me that's great and so now on your perspective um you license a gratis sync for somebody right what was in it for you back end i i get the public oh, you get, get a portion of the back end yeah. okay yes okay okay because you are because the, i'm her i'm publisher. the admin yeah, okay publisher. okay so we get that yeah. okay so everyone that is on my catalog is signed to me either exclusively or not exclusively mm-hmm. um i overseas you have to do an exclusive deal Right. Mm-hmm. You know, in order to be able to get the uh, publishing. So that's how, that's what's in it for me. Yeah. And then some deals, you know, like I did a, um, another one. Actually, Vanderpump Rule did have a, they had an upfront fee and then gratis. Love and Hip Hop was a gratis fee, but I still get the back end. So, you know, any deal that I do, whether it's a gratis or whether it's upfront fee with back end, that's what we want to have, especially okay. for television. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Film is really great too. Depends upon if it's got a distributor behind it. Um, that's, that can be pretty lucrative if you've got a, a major distri- distributor behind one. Um, I have not done a lot of indie films um, 
or student films because a lot of times it's really hard because they have no budgets so you're doing step deals mm -hmm. which means you know the step deal can be yeah. okay well if it grosses so much at the box office then you get this right. amount you know or I'll pay you 500 now but you know if it goes to theaters then you get this much mm -hmm. if it gets picked up by you know a d major distributor then you get this much and so yeah, on it's a spec yeah. deal All right. yeah why don't you like those just too much work well, no, because they, if they ask if for custom they, music, then oh, the artist is creating custom music and then, then they oh, could or could not get paid because the movie's a flop. <laughs> well, you know, if it's mm -hmm. online only. Right, yeah. Right. Then, right. you know, they're, they're, you know, if there's pre-existing music, mm -hmm. then, and it fits the scene for what they're asking for, then the artists are like, yeah, go for it. But if you have to create music, then I usually shy away from that because, you know, it's not like that they're, you know, they have to take away from paying work. Mm -hmm. to maybe you see what I'm saying yeah mm -hmm. so we don't like you know as independent I don't like to really take them away from paying work um, now I will put uh, music in an indie film in a minute um, as long as it's something pre-existing like I said mm -hmm. now if it's sort of a two-part question uh, yeah. is Netflix or Amazon is that considered TV or is that considered film that's considered online Okay, that's a completely separate. Right, that's completely separate. I mean, it, it, it could still be the same deal, but they call it different things, so that's okay. online. That's you know, okay. the pay structure could be the same. They can either offer something up front with a back end or a gratis with a back end or a buyout, mm -hmm. which is a flat rate. But um, Amazon, like my deal with um, Love & Hip Hop, they have the, um, I'm, I'm getting complicated, they have the Q episodes and then the A episodes. So one of my placements was a Q episode, which meant that the episode that aired on television mm -hmm. was, was a different artist, and then my artist was a replacement because the episode that aired didn't have rights outside of the um, US to be mm -hmm. able to have the song. So my artist actually replaced Carrie Hilson because she didn't have rights for a particular song mm -hmm. overseas. Okay. So we got a Q schedule. Mm. Okay, so that's what they call. And so her song is going to be on Amazon, iTunes, all the online places, and overseas. Okay. And mm. with Amazon, Netflix, mm -hmm. YouTube is creating more. They're spending a billion dollars yeah, on is film trying content. To, yeah, YouTube trying to do is that. doing it. Right. Um, more opportunity for you? Mm. Is that how you look at it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because, like I say, as a music publisher that's independent, I do um, exclusive and non-exclusive. So whenever I play something, you know, I'm, I'm getting the publishing because I'm actually doing that work for them. Mm -hmm. You know, and I feel that, you know, my philosophy is you um, eat what you kill. You know, I don't make money unless my artists make money. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So that's the reason a lot of people like working with independent publishers. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. because they feel like, you know what, if, if I'm, I'm going to be working just as hard because I have to eat too. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, it's... I think it's time to make a really good point because you're an independent publisher. There are also companies out there who say they will get sync deals for you. Um, give me exclusive rights to your song if I get it for five years. Right. F a five, ten deal. That's a, growing, that's a growing trend. Yeah, I mean, so if I get a deal for you, then I get rights to that song, exclusive rights for ten years. See, I don't, you know? see, I don't like to hold people down because mm -hmm. you know what? A song, a good song is a good song and I don't need five years. 
You know, if I can't place your song in five years, then it's not a good song. Right. You know, yeah. and I don't want to hold people in exclusive contracts. Like, for me, exclusivity has to be at least three years because if you're pitching a track for television, sure. you've got to look at the, you know, it, it, it's a whole season sometimes. Mm -hmm. You've got to put music on hold sometimes and wait throughout the summer until pilot season starts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's silly of me to give somebody... One guy was like, you know, I want to try you out for six months. You know, I'm not, I'm not Walmart. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, you know, yeah. I can't, I'm not going to return it to you in six months. You know, I need to have the time to be able to pitch, especially overseas, especially a film. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes a film is like, hurry up and wait. It's like, we need music now, 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 now. Mm -hmm. And then they go into post-production for six months to a year. And right. sometimes a film never even gets released. Thank you. Yeah. Sure. It gets in the, they call it, it's in the can and then yeah. great whatever number. happened. Yeah. You know? Great number. There's a great Jerry Lewis movie, apparently, that he had the rights to that um, for whatever reason it was never released and it's 40, 50 years old wow. at this point. People still talk about this hmm. Jerry Lewis movie that he didn't want out. But yeah, but there are lots of movies or some movies are released three years later but just on video. I used to be in the home video business okay. so it would right. just come out on video. Yeah. You know, um, and, and so do you get deals? Okay, we're going to pay a different type of step deal. Um, this much for this theatrical, much for, this much for just this much for uh, video on demand. Mm -hmm. No, um, we, I did a deal a few years ago. Um, I was still with Viacom though, and um, where the artist was the bump was the opening sequence and the closing sequence on a straight to video, mm -hmm. and so it was a step deal for her. She chose, which I advised her against it, but she chose to take the flat fee, and it was starring. Um, Gina Rodriguez, who ended up being, what's the virgin? The uh, last Jane American virgin. Virgin. Jane the Virgin. Jane the Virgin. Jane the virgin. Yeah. And I told her prior um, to, you know, make sure that you get the back end, blah, 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 because she was in the midst of negotiating. But she, you know, artists are starving and she needed the money. She took mm. an upfront deal. And the <laughs> straight to video went on to sell, sell, sell because the, the young lady who was the lead became Jane the Virgin like at least yeah. six months after. And then she went on to win the Golden Globe, I yeah. think, yeah. for yeah. it. Yeah, she's hot. You know, and so some, she's you know, still hot. Right? So it depends. you got to be, you know, for me, I would always, always take the littlest upfront and work on a step deal because you never know what's going to happen with an independent film or straight to video. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, that thing went straight to video and then she was a breakout star of the next year. So, of course, everyone's going to go back and look and see, you know, what it was that Jane the Virgin did before. So right, now right. the thing is flying, you know, now there's, you know, Netflix and, sure. you know, who, wherever else they put the dist distribution. I mean, I have no idea now what happened to it, but that's a story that always stuck in my mind. Right. Choose yeah. door A or choose door B. Right. Well, it's mm -hmm. interesting, but you have the experience now, mm -hmm. so and that's what it is. Yeah. We should uh, wrap up. Okay. Yeah. I, I, hope was boring. <laughs> I thought this was great. This really? was yeah. uh, today one of our best ones because we went, you know, very, very, very well. There was some really awesome information. Definitely good content. It, Are you able to cut some things? Cause <laughs> yeah. He, he, just, he just the F-bombs you dropped. Oh, I don't oh did I drop them? Oh, yeah, my God. Okay. It's <laughs> like, hey. It's not that big. Somebody told me to watch my potty mouth before I go over there. <laughs> so, do you want to give any pitch to any people who would like, if they hear this, they want to contact you, whether it be artists or potential clientele, I guess? I'm, I'm not taking music right now, but uh, I think I pitched my um, website already. Yes. Yes, okay. you did. Good. Did. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, thank you, thank you. I was no, really nervous. You. I was like, what am I going to say? I know, no, you, you did a great me. job. So we should thank Kim Williams. Yes. Kim Kimberly thank Williams. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Music fans, yeah. one on one with Kim. Thank you. Thank you, Jaden Harding, for bringing thank you, Kim thank you. in. Thank you, of course. Thank Finding you. her and
corralling her. That's very good. Thank you, Dr. Esteban Martin. And Please look at me. Yes, yeah, Professor David. Professor David, David Phil. Right. So at the end of every show, we don't say hello. We don't. That'd be silly. Because <laughs> the end of the show. So you know what we say? And you could do it with us. Because in the second, you go, oh, I know that word. We say adios. Say, Dave, what do Paul Sinclair from Atlantic, Tom Hefter from Ticketmaster, Rosie Lopez from Tommy Boy, and Heather Ellis from Pandora all have in common? They're all bigwigs in the music and entertainment industry, Esteban. And? They all hate warm beer. And? They've all been guests on the Music Biz 101 and More radio show at 8 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Bingo. If you want to learn more about the music and entertainment biz, tweet in a question and tune in every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock to Music, music Biz 101, 101 and More on Brave New Radio. radio.